Hello everyone, I'm Colin Ellis and for 30 years I was a permanent employee of other people's cultures. What I wanted to know more than anything else during that time was how to build a great culture myself. And so I wrote a book called Culture Fix, which is the world's first how-to guide for building great workplace culture. And in this, the Culture Makers podcast, I get industry leaders from around the world to expand on the ideas that I wrote about in the book and get them to share actionable things that you can do to create a great place to work yourself. And remember, listening is good, but action is better. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Culture Makers podcast. I am delighted to announce that we've got Stephen Pereira on the show today. Stephen is a technology leader with over 40 years of experience and a culture maker of some repute. He is a leader in every sense of the word. He role models what he expects of others, and he builds environments where people are empowered and inspired to do their very best work. Originally from Singapore, Stephen now lives and works, although not for much longer, we'll get to that, in Melbourne, Australia, and he joins me now. Stephen, how are you? I'm very good, Colin. Nice to uh, hear from you. In fact, you make me sound old with 40 years of experience. <laughs> I was going to say 40 years of experience. You have been working since you were five. So, um... <laughs> Singapore, that's where you were born and, and raised, Stephen, way back when? Way back in 1957. Wow. So that makes me 63 years uh, this year. Uh, it's, it's When somebody asked me, uh, uh, you know, where, I'm, where, where I was born and when I immediately tell them that I'm from Singapore, they're immediately throws them off because I don't look like a typical Singaporean. <laughs> so I then go I then I go into my history that my mum and dad were born in uh, Malaysia in what we what's called the Portuguese settlement in Malacca. So I've got uh, Portuguese ancestry. So when they got married, they're both from a Portuguese settlement. They moved to Singapore when Singapore was part of Malaya. And this is where myself and all my siblings were born in Singapore. So my ethnicity is called Eurasian, which is a blend of European Asian Ancestry. I imagine Singapore is quite different today than it than it was back in 1957. One of my, I have to say, one of my favourite places in the entire world. I absolutely love Singapore. But yeah, I imagine it's quite different. Yes, you know what? It's also my favourite place. In fact, I love to go there. Even when travelling on business, I would stop by and just stay over for Singapore for a little while. But uh, I grew up. Uh, in Singapore, in primary school and in high school, uh, in in flats, in 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 uh, housing housing commission flats. So I can appreciate, uh, you know, uh, uh, people living in flats. And uh, and of course, we migrated uh, to Australia uh, back in 1970 when I was in my first year of secondary school. So it was a bit of a culture change. Dare I call it a culture shock to actually move uproot myself from Singapore and coming to Australia. Perth actually was where we docked. Perth. Yeah, I imagine it was a bit of a culture shock. I bet life was quite different in, in Western Australia to, to Singapore. Oh yes, very different. In fact, uh, my my image of Australia back then was, uh, do you remember the uh, program Skippy? I do. I used to watch that as a kid yeah. in, in back in England. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I thought Australia was exactly what, uh, what, uh, what was portrayed in Skippy and of course uh, you know people call each other sir and ma'am and have to learn to whistle <laughs> of that uh gum leaf and all that stuff and I thought kangaroos all over the place that was my vision but very different to what I saw when I landed and so Perth. what was what was uh what were you studying in in Perth you went to university I imagine and and so what was your what was your major because you work in technology now it, was that something you were always interested in well really I was an they I call an accidental CIO 
Uh, what, what I mean by that is that uh, I did a commerce degree at the University of Western Australia, accounting, business management, law, those subjects. And um, during my university years, I would uh, work at uh, the the Coles warehouse. You know, summer, summer vacations, you had three months off, you had to earn some pocket money. So uh, I, I, my dad worked there. In fact, uh, he sacrificed a lot for us. He was a banker uh, back in Singapore. And of course, when, when he came to Australia, he had to just take anything that uh, he could. So he worked in the warehouse at Coles. And, uh, and of course, I had an opportunity of working there in the warehouse, picking stock, and uh, driving things around with the pallet movers and what have you. So for three years, I did that during my summer vacations. I graduated in commerce and uh, Coles picked me up. So, so so they gave me a full-time employment. And uh, from from Perth, uh, they they saw what they liked. In fact, because, you know, in, in a state like Perth, uh, anything had to be requested off uh, Melbourne head office. So they would get me to write uh, uh, requisitions or use cases for acquisition of... Uh, uh, equipment or warehouse layouts and etc. So uh, I would do that, and of course, coming straight from university, I knew exactly how to structure a, a, a request. You know, you start with the aims and the objectives, and go through the uh, analytical uh, cost cost-benefit analysis and all those things. And of course, uh, Cole's head office picked me up. He said, "Look, would you like to come to work in Melbourne?" And that was the start of a whole new adventure. Having spent uh, you know ten years in Perth from Singapore, and it was uh, back in 1989, I think it was that. Uh, I'm sorry, no, no, ni- my goodness, time flies. <laughs> 19, yeah, 1979. Wow. I had a request to uh, fly across to uh, to Melbourne, still with Coles, the company. And in uh, January 1980, I packed my bags, left home, first time ever living home. I uh, had to cut my apron strings from mom and set up uh, a whole new uh, uh, you know lifestyle by myself in Melbourne. So that was a uh, again another culture shock in just 20 years of uh, being in Australia. Wow. I was talking to to my son, uh, talking at my son, that's the way the parenting goes, um, about uh, work experience. He's, he's 15 next year. He's eager to get into a job. And, you know, that's something that I did very early on. Steve, my dad, you know, we didn't have much money. So dad was always in kind of paper rounds and milk rounds and all these other things. And he said, as soon as you get a job, get a job. You, you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about the way the business works. And I think, you know, when I, when I think back, because I was picking and packing boxes back when I was back when I was 15 and, you know, started in a bank serving on the counter is you, it's a really good ground. And I think certainly for me, for teamwork is, is that, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to university, so I didn't, I didn't really have that education, but you get that grounding in humanity, in relationships, in communication, in people. And, you know, certainly, you know, a conversation that we've had is, is that that's so important, really, when you think about your career now, without that grounding and, and, and without that real appreciation of what, kind of people have to do on the ground floor and customer facing roles there's really a often there's a bit missing when it comes to actually creating good team culture would, would you agree with that i a hundred percent in fact uh, you're so true in this whole grounding understanding of people in culture because in the warehouse you can imagine I, i'm sure in, in in england too you've got uh, people from different cultures italians and greeks and chinese and indians and of course uh, the polish and the English, and it was understanding. In fact, one thing that my dad taught me, which was the basis of me uh, uh, living out 
this uh, uh, this uh, lifestyle from a work perspective is uh, to quote him uh, he, he said work not for mere pay but from a real desire to serve don't look down on people given into your care but be example so he had this little piece of paper written in his wallet and he carried that with him all the while and when i left for melbourne he actually gave me that piece of paper in fact colin i still got this piece of paper yeah i still got this piece of paper and it's something that i've lived as a lifestyle and you're quite right while technology was something foreign to me back then people understanding people working with people was the basis and it was my grounding and as a result of that well you know uh, what i've done uh, over the recent past in making sure that i demonstrate what i want of people because the example that i lead or the example that i demonstrate i would expect the same uh, from others too and of course uh, that's something that uh, that has been uh, close to my heart and i've tried to transfer that at maxim uh, to uh, to anyone that i meet in the workplace and others too. So let's let's talk a little bit about cold. So you you scooted across the country, blew that four, four and a bit hours away from all of the family, kind of immerse yourself into, into the cold culture. What did you learn early on from the people around you, from the managers that you had about the way to create great team culture? Okay, uh, now the job that I went to or the role that I uh, uh, got uh, transferred for was what's called methods engineering. That was a term that uh, related to industrial engineering. You remember the time in motion studies back in the 80s? I remember that people them well, were doing? yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so even though I, that was part of the job, but it was more than just simply time in motion, but certainly looking at productivity improvements, uh, uh, using equipment, uh, looking at technology. And of course, uh, that's when I had uh, because my experience at Coles was important, uh, useful. That's when I moved into project management, into business analysts, because that's when uh, Coles wanted to transform their antiquated warehousing systems into technologies. But you talk about uh, the, ma- the management style back then was very different to what it is today. I remember as a 22, 23-year-old boy, or boy, I suppose, <laughs> relative to what I am today, uh, I had to call Mr. Mr. Smith, Mr. Ellis, Mr. Baker. So that style of management was from from today's perspective, old school. And you had to do what you were told. You couldn't answer back. You couldn't even uh, suggest an idea without it coming from management. So that was the uh, the uh, the environment that uh, young managers, up and coming uh, leaders grew up in. And, uh, and uh, that was a big change because I didn't, apart from uh, my university studies, theoretical studies of, you know, people and organization and, and, and those sorts of things, I didn't have any, dare I say, with respect to those managers who have maybe probably gone now, uh, no role model, uh, except for what I had written on that piece of paper. So uh, over time, as uh, as uh, as I, I spent 17 years at Coles, I started identifying those manager leaders who I could or who I would gravitate gravitate to or, you know, listen to what they're doing and and how they were executing uh, their role and job and how they treated their staff. There were a handful of people within me, within my environment. Okay. I mean, calls back then was huge, but within my immediate environment, there were not many. So uh, it's something that I said, look, I, I, I want to improve. I don't, I take the good, leave the bad behind. And that's what, uh, that's what I did. And of course, from there on, then on, I moved into a lot of technology work, uh, EDI implementation or e-commerce implementation, uh, finance and operations. All these things uh, were part of my uh, learning experience and repertoire uh, 
during those 17 years at Coles it's, supermarket. It, it's so interesting to hear you say that because it's something that I talk about as well is the sense that I didn't have, you know, I don't have many people that can say that person had, you know, had a, an incredible impact on my life. I learned a lot, Stephen, from yes. the people around me, both the good and the bad. And, and I found that I really, gravitate is a great word, gravitated towards anybody who showed any kind of empathy because it was lacking. It, it was very command and control, exactly as you said, you know, my first job was yeah. in a bank in the mid 80s and everybody was Mr. Mr. Alderson, Mr. Oaks, you have to do all that. <laughs> yes. And there are some people who hark back, I, you know, I wish I could go back to those days. It's like, but work was no fun. The, the culture that we, listen, we got stuff done, but, it, but we had to drink afterwards to make it fun, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, so, yes. and so you're right, it was as much about learning from the bad as it was from the good, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. In fact, uh, learning from the good, taking the good, and and and, and if if those things met your values, then of course you were. I mean, you, you felt chuffed. You felt good about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, Colds till ninety six. So a good seventeen years at Colds. Uh, yes. The, the, the Stephen, and then and then so. How did the move to GS1 come about? Okay, that that was a. I, I suppose things happen for for good, you know. And sometimes when things happen badly from your immediate circumstance, you'll say, "Oh, why did it happen?" But uh, back then, at uh, just a year or two before I, I left Coles, uh, there was some. Uh, I, I, I mentioned I was in, into finance, terms mm. control. So finally, my commerce degree caught up with me. Right, uh, <laughs> 18 years later, 19 years later, caught up with me. So I was given a, a responsibility for income recovery, managing terms and rebates and what have you. But that particular year, I think we were in this uh, uh, financial crisis, uh, economic uh, crisis worldwide. And uh, and uh, what happened was that the the, uh, the income from uh, suppliers, rebates and terms was not as high as expected. Did you? I, I don't know where you know this, uh, yeah. Colin, but uh, retailers make more money in their relationship with suppliers than actually sales to customers. I didn't know that. That's the biggest thing yeah. I take away from this. <laughs> mm. So, so in fact, uh, at that point, uh, uh, the, the, as I said, the economy was bad. I think it was a global, uh, uh, global crisis, financial crisis. But then, of course, um, without getting into too much details, because someone was responsible for terms control and rebates, somebody had to take the fall for what was not being uh, received. So to cut a long story short, I was moved aside to what's called special projects. <laughs> you know what special projects mean, yeah? I do. It's a holding area for people we don't it's know what to do area. with. <laughs> I, was, I was totally shocked. I was totally shocked. Ship special projects, because we knew that anyone who was given the title of special projects is, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, you know, is doomed, right? So I, I was, I was, uh, I was totally deflated. In fact, uh, because I knew that I was doing a good job, and I, I knew that I was uh, uh, delivering, and, and and the team was high because I had I had a team of about uh, 12, 15 people, and there was no rumblings or anything like that. But anyway, and I I believe that things happen for a reason. And would you believe the next six months? Later, there was an opportunity in this new company called EAN, now called GS1 Australia. And what carried me through that, uh, Colin, was because of my e-commerce experience. Back then, EDI or electronic commerce, electronic data interchange, was relatively new in Australia, and GS1 had had only new uh, had moved into this area because they were very strong in barcoding and 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 
automatic data capture. And they needed someone or wanted someone who was strong in EDI. And it was fortuitous that I was there at the right time to move into this area of e-commerce. And that's where the opportunity arose. And I've been with GS1 now for 24 plus years. In fact, uh, Colin, today is my 24th anniversary. Is that right? Happy anniversary, Stephen. Thank you very much. It's quite quite an auspicious date. So I imagine 24 years, you've you've had a few roles there. And again, you'll have learned from kind of the managers that are are there, still there, and some of the good things that they do. So what's your approach now when it comes to team building, when it when it comes to culture, when it comes to empowerment, trust, all of those things, Stephen. Okay, now I had a very good uh, a mentor in NGS One, uh, Maria. You know Maria, mm-hmm. and she's still there, and and, and uh, she's a, a big mentor to me. Uh, but uh, in the company GS One, I had the opportunity to attend conferences. I had the opportunity to travel overseas for work, and and as you mentioned, as we talked about earlier, you gravitate to people uh, who demonstrate. Uh, the, uh, the 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 empathy, the leadership styles that uh, you are, you are aspire to, the values that you that you believe in. So uh, over that time, I was a big fan of John Maxwell, uh, the international uh, speaker, leader, mentor, guru, John Maxwell. And I read his books, Twenty uh, Odd Laws of Indisputable Leadership or Teamwork. And what uh, gave me a, a boost in my morale was that in 2011, John Maxwell came to Australia. He had a speaking convention in Melbourne. And while at GS1, I thought, hey, I'm going to take some time off and listen to my guru in inverted commas because I was a total fan of him. I mean, you can imagine that, Colin, I'm not too sure. Have you got a, uh, do you love a band? I mean, what, 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 what music do you like? Oh, Stephen, I love all kinds of music. Okay, give me, give me a band. There was a group that I, that I loved when I was growing up. They were called the Smiths, and they, they, they played music and sang lyrics that really spoke to me at that time, Stephen. Okay, so just imagine you're a fan of the Smiths, and then they, they, they said they're going to rock up at your own village or town or city. You would, you, you would uh, pen as much as necessary to just see them perform. I'd sell yeah? my family. Yeah, I'd totally sell my family <laughs> to go and see the Smiths perform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what I did. I, I, I went to see him in the flesh. And of course, uh, just hearing him, I was inspired. And I think he was talking about the five levels of leadership. And uh, in 2017, I said to myself, I want to undertake his uh, a course that he was running. And I traveled all the way to Orlando, Florida, to spend a week with him and his team in developing my leadership skills. Because by that time, I knew what leadership meant. By that time, I knew what was important in bringing up, you know, in developing teams and getting them to uh, to rise up to the occasion. And, um, and uh, of course, uh, that uh, really inspired me to uh, to go full on with, uh, with uh, what I was doing, fine-tuning what I had already believed in and, uh, and and this is where it's taken me to a point now that I'm transferring uh, a lot of my knowledge and my experience to uh, you know the upcoming leaders in the organization and I've been uh, sharing uh, these uh, leadership skills and these leadership experiences with university students because uh, leading up to 2011 I was involved with uh, working at university level uh, through the company and at every occasion I would uh, not only talk to them about uh, the uh, the uh, benefits and the technologies involved in supply chain management and e-commerce what I will also uh, sprinkle uh, a little bit about the leadership styles that are required 
to execute these uh, these transformational changes that many companies were looking for. Trying to inspire these uh, future leaders in supply chain and in business to be uh, better managers, better leader managers in their own you know in their own uh, career development. Yeah, one of um, one of my favorite John Maxwell quotes and if people listening haven't heard of John John Maxwell uh, uh, Stephen's talking about his book The 21 uh, Irrefutable Laws of Leadership John C. Maxwell but one of uh, his quotes that I really love is leadership is developed daily not in a day yes, um, yes. and and Stephen you know as, as someone who's known you for, for a couple of years you know, for, for a few years now you, every interaction with you you're constantly looking for ways to stretch yourself you talk about leadership being a choice it, it, you know what you want to do is impart the knowledge but you're very careful to say, hey, listen, you know, it, it's about you making the decisions for you in this moment in mm. time. And so mm. you're retiring at the end of the year. Um, and so, you know, when you think back over your career, what would you like your legacy to be? Before I go into that, I must acknowledge the fact that uh, I mentioned about attending conferences and being inspired by leaders and, and speakers. You were one of them, Colin. Thank you, you Stephen. That's them. very kind yeah, of you. Seriously. We haven't set this because, up at all. <laughs> <laughs> because you, I mean, you are an inspiring leader. And in the way that you executed your delivery was something that I picked up. Because remember, I said that uh, you have to pick up the good and leave the bad behind. And, uh, and uh, what inspired me was that the passion that you had was necessary to be demonstrated, okay? Because you can be a passive leader. Well, in fact, you can't be a passive leader. You can be a passive person in the knowledge that you have and what you retain. But if you're passionate about what you love doing, and if you're passionate about, about the values that you care, you need to demonstrate that and show that, not only in your action, but when and how you speak. And so that's, that's something that I picked uh, from you. And there's only a handful of people that I can uh, really acknowledge that has influenced influence my my uh, what can I say my myself my total being and you are one of them which is uh, I mean a, a compliment to That's you very kind of you thank you but as you mentioned what le- legacy the legacy that I believe that needs to be left behind because to me a legacy is like a footprint that you leave behind and the footprint that I would like to leave behind is that leadership is all about influence leadership is all about integrity and honesty and leadership is all about making sure that the people behind you are built up to the extent that they can step into your footprint when you leave you know and and, and it's something that um, uh, and that's the reason why Colin back in I think uh, late 2018 we, we got you to come and speak to the team in uh, in IT business information technology and uh, we got you to um, inspire Fire, uh, or in fact, transfer your values of leadership and culture into uh, the various team members. I think we had about 27, almost 30 people, because uh, this was at a time when we had just completed a two-year transformational project, changing the whole IT system uh, from what it was prior to 2017 legacy to something that we are now building upon and really excelling in. And of course, changing technology, changing processes, changing the look and feel of your system is one dimension. It will not succeed until you have the people who have built it, people who are using it, change culturally. And that's what we wanted to do back in 2018 when we engaged you uh, to, to, to instill in us a new level of, uh, uh, what can I say, a new level of culture, a new level of success thinking, a new level of, uh, of collaboration, a new level of uh, 
working with others, looking at uh, change and improving on failures, you know, and that's something that uh, we are inspired and, 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 and we will continue doing that. Uh, as, as, you, as you know, uh, the vision that we established back in 2018, evolving technology, inspiring success, because we in IT evolve with technology. And the reason why we do that is not for ourselves, but we need to inspire the success of ourselves and others too who use the technology and this uh, catch cry wasn't didn't come from you it didn't come from me it didn't come from a textbook as you know it came from the team themselves so how beautiful it is to know that it is owned by the team and therefore we should all take ownership of uh, of uh, this catch cry in a, in a long about way answering your question Colin. Stephen you are so you know and I and I the, the work that I did with you guys was was hugely enjoyable and I could see not only the passion that you had but the team had as well uh, and and how you led by example I think the legacy that you laid out in terms of the values that you had and how you uphold them you can be incredibly proud um, of the work that you've done um, and of your career I want to wish you all the very best in retirement and I want to say a huge thank you for being on on the Culture Makers podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Please remember to subscribe or share the link on your social media platform of choice, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you hang out. You can also forward it onto your colleagues and friends and help them to inspire and motivate others too. Better still, why not keep the conversation going and join our community of culture makers from around the world who share information on the things that have worked and haven't worked. You can do that at www.culturefixcommunity.com and remember, sharing is caring. See you next time.